Happy Monday. <laughs> That's just one thing. Literally everything that could go wrong has happened within a 90 minute period on a Monday morning. But damn it, we're gonna make this show. Hit that like button and let's just jump into it. First up today, before we jump into anything of real value, I wanted to let you know, you did it. I am now uh, begrudgingly in possession of Arby's Fry Vodka. We'll do a, a taste test of that uh, tomorrow or the day after. It is, unless my wife, who I specifically asked not to open the box, has not already had her way with it, but, Seemingly not to be undone, our friends over at Mischief sent me this called Illegal Chips, and their flavors include horse meat, Hasu Marzu maggot cheese, and Fugu poison blowfish. Oh, which was actually designed by Mythical Kitchen. Now, it doesn't actually contain what it said it's supposed to taste like because of, you know, the law. But let's see poison blowfish. Tastes like watered down oil and vinegar. This is why you gotta watch out when you send me free stuff. I'm not just gonna praise it. All right, maggot cheese. I think they just gave me COVID, Jesus. And cheese chip and horse meat. I talked to someone recently that said horse meat actually tastes amazing. I wouldn't know. It tastes like if a barbecue chip died from depression. And that concludes uh, this Philip DeFranco taste test and probably the last time that Mischief will send me something. Then we should definitely talk about this whole batch of celebrity news, but it also becomes more than celebrity news. The first of which being one of the biggest stories going into the weekend, Britney Spears' conservatorship is now over, with a judge on Friday in Los Angeles revoking both the conservatorship of her person and her estate, meaning that after 13 years under the arrangement, Britney finally has her life back. Her attorney, Matthew Rosengart, releasing a statement saying, What's next for Britney? And this is the first time that this could be said for about a decade is up to one person, Brittany. I, I will say, I, I will say that Brittany has been put into a position through our collaboration and the work of my law firm to succeed. We have a safety net in place for Brittany, both on the personal side and on the financial side, as those of you who are in court understand. But Brittany, as of today, is a free woman, and she's an independent woman, and the rest, with her support system, will be up to Brittany. And oh my God, the reaction from Brittany supporters was massive. Brittany even sharing some of the footage of that happening and writing, good God, I love my fans so much, it's crazy. I think I'm gonna cry the rest of the day. Best day ever, praise the Lord. But a big thing is even though this has happened, the whole situation is not over. This in part because Rosengart has accused Brittany's father, Jamie, of misconduct within the conservatorship, promising to investigate it. Brittany herself also saying she believes her father belongs in jail. And actually kind of connected to that, Jamie's actually refused to attend to depositions, which is also part of the reason we saw Rosengart add. If Brittany instructs, we will pursue James Spears' deposition. We will pursue the discovery that we served on him. It's interesting that he has refused to cooperate because his lawyer, in his lawyer's filing, claimed that Mr. Spears would profusely cooperate. I can say this, they have not responded to one document request. Rosengard also claiming that Britney's former management company, TriStar, has not cooperated with requests, forcing Rosengard's team to subpoena them. The most notable question that we've asked on behalf of Britney, of TriStar, is the following, a very simple question. How much money did you take from the estate? How much money did you receive from the estate? TriStar, and I'm not drawing any conclusions right now, but you can draw your own inference 
has refused to answer that question. So obviously a potentially long road ahead that way, but also secondarily, a lot of people say, hey, this case matters beyond just Britney. Because obviously while there's been a focus here on Britney, a lot of people say, hey, this has highlighted an issue with the conservatorship laws. The likes of the ACLU tweeting, Britney Spears' uniquely public conservatorship case shows just how desperately we need to transform the system for the 1.3 million people with disabilities who are still subject to these invasive and dangerous arrangements. There are untold thousands of people in conservatorships and guardianships who want to regain their civil liberties and live their lives with autonomy and support. So obviously we're gonna have to see how that conversation continues if we see change or does it end with Britney. But yeah, time will tell. And in the meantime, uh, Jamie is gonna have uh, a, a complicated life. Then unfortunately regarding Astroworld, we have the worst kind of update to the story and that being the death toll has now risen from eight to 10 people with the most recent victim being nine-year-old Ezra Blunt who had severe brain and kidney injuries. He died yesterday. With attorney Ben Crump releasing a statement calling the loss incomprehensible, sending condolences to the family and adding we are committed to seeking answers and justice. And with that, Crump is representing the family and has filed a lawsuit against Live Nation, Travis Scott and more, alleging negligence related to crowd control as well as a failure to provide proper medical attention, hiring, training, supervision and retention. As the investigation is still underway, we see the lawsuits piling on. In fact, Ben Crump alone said that he's filing on behalf of almost 200 people. So obviously much more to come there. And then finally, for this section, we have Taylor Swift in the news because of course her release of her album Red, Taylor's version. Right, and that being the re-recording of her fourth studio album Red. And as we've talked about in the past, this is part of her effort to re-record her first six album because her masters were sold without her consent. With Red being the second album that she's re-recorded and it's doing absolute crazy numbers on Spotify right now. Spotify rep saying that Taylor has broken two records. First, Red, Taylor's version has become the most streamed album in a day by a female artist getting 90.8 million streams in a day. And of course, with it being Taylor Swift, she broke her own record. And secondly, Swift became the most streamed female artist in a day, getting 122.9 million streams on Friday. But the aspect of this story that has gotten the most attention, the biggest spotlight is the number one song on her record, the number one song on Spotify, the 10 minute extended version of one of her classic songs, All Too Well. Also, pro tip, if you are friends, you're dating, you're married to a Swifty, do not say the following sentence. Wait, she wrote a 10 minute extended version about a song that's about Jake Gyllenhaal, even though they only dated for three months, 11 years ago? Don't do that, I've seen some men do that. It didn't work out well. <laughs> Those Swifties will stab you to death with the red flags they say that you're raising. And actually on that note, while you know, Red is largely believed to be about Jake Gyllenhaal, some are talking about rumored exes like John Mayer being next. And in fact, there are alleged screenshots going around showing John apparently responding to a fan who sent him a threatening message. And it appears to show a fan calling John an ugly bitch, saying that they hope he chokes on something, aggressively adding, answer me, you bitch. With John apparently responding, I've been getting so many messages like these the past couple of days. I decided to choose your message at random to reply to. You can feel free to screen shot, share in any way you like if you want. I'm not upset, I just tend to have a curious mind and feel compelled to ask, do you really hope that I die? That fan then responding, oh my God, what? I don't want you to die. Fan apologizing with John saying, it's okay, I wanted to understand. So it's a fun thing people are doing without taking into account that I might see it and be affected by it. Now a thing to keep in mind, right, I'm saying allegedly stuff like that, as far as the validity of these messages, the fan, if they did post it, looks like they deleted their post sharing them and didn't respond to a comment request from the Daily Dot, nor did John. But whether they're real or not has sparked a larger conversation of, you know, what makes sense as far as a public reaction. Like Taylor Swift is a real person. Jake Gyllenhaal is a real person. John Mayer is a real person. You and I are real people. But a lot of time when we're reacting to often celebrities online, we, we don't end up treating them like people. We kind of treat them as these like fictional characters. Or on the complete opposite end, there's like this parasocial relationship where we feel like this person is my friend and it's our job to defend and attack on their behalf. It's usually not until like someone self harms or they take their own life that we're like, oh, maybe we should keep in check how we react online. Yeah, I don't know, what are, what are your 
thoughts on all of this? It can be about the, the topic in general or specifically what we've seen as far as the, the public reaction with Jake Gyllenhaal and Taylor Swift. Any and all thoughts, I'd love to hear from you, but keep in mind, I'm, I'm one guy. I can't protect you in those comments. But from that, let's take a second to pay some bills, specifically plumbing bills, and thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, over the last year or so, I know a lot of you have found your passion projects and what truly makes you happy, whether that means finally getting your independent business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, current obsession, even a personal blog to get those thoughts out of your head no matter what you're doing, Squarespace is there to help. And it's also easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and personalized support from their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat. Whatever you need, they are available 24-7 to help out. So if you want to check it out, see why so many love it, see if it's right for you, go ahead and start your free trial today over at squarespace.com phil. And when you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code phil to get 10% off your first purchase. And then and we should definitely talk about a Connecticut judge ruling this morning that far-right conspiracy theorist and InfoWars host Alex Jones is liable for all damages in a defamation suit brought by the families of eight Sandy Hook victims. And a quick refresher for those that might not remember, Jones has faced multiple lawsuits over his false claims that the 2012 school shooting, which left 20 children and six adults dead, was a giant hoax and false flag operation carried out by crisis actors to create opposition to the Second Amendment. And in this Connecticut case, the family specifically argued that Jones profited off of spreading lies about the violent murders of their relatives. Now Jones, for his part, has repeatedly denied denied the assertions, but he also repeatedly failed to turn over company records to disprove the claim. So in the decision today, Judge Barbara Bellis ruled that because Jones and his companies refused to turn over key internal documents that concern the family's case, as a result, Bellis decided that Jones will be held liable for the damages by default. And that is very notable because while so-called default rulings are rare, this isn't even the first time this has happened to Jones. Just a few months ago, you had a Texas judge issuing default judgments against Jones and Infowars for repeatedly failing to comply with court orders to provide documents and evidence in defamation suits brought by two families of Sandy Hook victims. The judge in that case also ruling that Jones is liable for all damages. And in fact, last year, he was also ordered to pay nearly $150,000 in legal fees in a similar ruling to the decision this week after he failed to provide documents to attorneys representing Sandy Hook families. And so as far as what happens next, according to reports, juries in both Connecticut and Texas will now decide how much Jones will have to pay the families in damages as well as court costs. But that's all we know for now because those trials aren't set to take place until next year. Then, you know how here in the United States, vaccine mandates, it's a, it's a really divisive, polarizing issue. Some saying, yes, it absolutely makes sense. Others saying, no, it's far too extreme. Well, as of today, Austria is on a completely different level. The Austrian interior minister announced yesterday that today the country will require unvaccinated people 12 and over to stay in their homes in a lockdown, similar to how many nations treated everyone at the start of the pandemic. It's that meaning only leaving for essential goods and services with only one exception. And it's a notable one if you're unvaxxed, but you can provide proof that you've recovered from COVID-19 and thus reasonably have some kind of resistance to it. Now, as far as why this big swing, it comes as the country now averages over 10,000 new cases a day, making it the largest surge of cases since the last major outbreak a year ago. And like many places, the country's chancellor pointed out that while infections may be going up, the cases among vaccinated people have drastically Decline. Although, unlike most of the EU and developed world, the pool of unvaxxed people there is rather large, as less than 65% of the country is fully vaccinated. Also, officials have warned that there would be an increased police presence throughout the country to help enforce these rules, which come with a $1,660 fine. And as you might expect, this news was not just received with a universal thumbs up. Rather, it was met on Sunday with a crowd outside the Chancellery in Vienna, many of whom claimed that the new policy was discriminatory. Though, internationally, Austria is hardly the only place to reimpose restrictions. Latvia, where 59% of the population is vaccinated, had to go into another lockdown and has barred unvaccinated lawmakers from voting on laws or taking part in debates until the middle of 2022. In Queensland, Australia, the unvaccinated will be banned from restaurants, pubs, and sporting events starting December 17th. And unfortunately though, kind of expected, we're also now experiencing rising cases in parts of the US as well. So the question I wanna pass off to you with these stories is when, when you see these lockdowns, you see kind of the, the shut 
shutting down again, especially when it's just for the unvaccinated. Do you see that as discriminatory? Or do you see it as more of a situation of unvaccinated people playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes? And then we should only talk about former top Trump advisor, Steve Bannon surrendering to the FBI this morning. This move coming after a federal grand jury indicted him on two contempt of Congress charges after he defied a subpoena to testify and provide documents to the House Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. Bannon, who turned himself into the FBI's Washington DC field office briefly told the media, I don't want anybody to take their eye off the ball. We're taking down the Biden regime every day. With Bannon making his first court appearance this afternoon, though he didn't make a plea and was released from custody with his arraignment set for Thursday morning. And if he's convicted, each count of contempt carries a maximum one year in jail and a fine of up to $100,000. And so this whole situation is very notable for two reasons. First of all, because contempt of Congress charges are incredibly rare. In fact, according to reports, only three such charges have been brought in the last three decades. And second, while the proceedings against Bannon will likely be quick, this is just one part of what is expected to be a lengthy, lengthy battle over executive privilege. As we've talked about numerous times, Trump has repeatedly attempted to block the January 6th committee from obtaining requested documents, testimonies, and other materials under the argument that they're protected under executive privilege, which he asserts still applies to him and his former aide. And while that has led to this back and forth legal battle over key records, it's also prompted multiple previous top officials to refuse to comply with subpoenas. Now with that, some top Democrats have said that Bannon's indictment will encourage other witnesses to cooperate, but at the same time, it's also just reinvigorated Trump's allies in Congress even more. You have some threatening payback if Republicans take the House in 2022, others weaponizing support of Bannon as the latest show of loyalty to Trump, with the former president himself releasing a statement this weekend condemning all Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill and the contempt charges against Bannon, listing each by name and promising to back anyone who primaried them in the upcoming election. And so very clearly, in addition to all the other aspects of the story, this has become a major issue for the midterms and the fight for the House. But ultimately, that is where this story and today's show ends. Of course, whether it be this last story, the first one, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow. If my whole studio is not flooded by then.